what you said about the Bible, uh, I think is important because there's, there's some people who believe that the Bible has to be historically true in a way that never existed. There was no such thing as a history that we try to practice today back then. Nobody was, nobody had the, the audacity to believe that they could exactly capture every nuance and every detail of what happened. They, they take what happened and they condense it into story form so that you can remember it. And it's not a list of facts that's the important part. It's where this story is going. So they're expressing this story. And God is weaving through that entire story that they're expressing, even through the, the books of the kings, his, his message that he's speaking of. And to try to take what it was and make it into, okay, everything spoken here is an exact historical fact. When the objective was not to create a list of facts, it was to tell the story that happened. So then you get into to Genesis, you know, were some of these stories what we would call mythology? Well, if you have a culture that is expressing things, uh, spoken stories, then the best way to express things, especially things that can't be understood through time, is by, by demonstrating it, speaking a, a story in a way that, that it can express something that can't be expressed. It was a snake. Why was it a snake? Because that can express something that can't necessarily be understood by the succeeding generations. So, to me, when you, the more you try to make the Bible into an exact scientific textbook and an exact historical book and, and get into the parts, um, the more you, you try to rip it apart like that, the more you lose that overall view of the story that's being told. And the more you lose that view, the more you lose the whole purpose of the thing in the first place. So you might be able to convince yourself that it has all of these things that were important to you, but then you're left holding something that doesn't end up being important. Because you missed the point of the book. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you didn't have the eyes to see, because you didn't get the right perspective. Because it isn't written. There are human details in it. But it isn't written from a human perspective. It's written from God's perspective, that eternal perspective. And you got to get his perspective to understand the book. But if you start to take it a human knowledge and human intellect, and you try to take the book apart and try to make it fit your human intellect, you already got the equation wrong. You could, you're already doing your math wrong. You know what I'm saying? You got to have God in the equation or you're going to come out with the wrong answer. You know, there are details that I was just reading today. Like if you read in... Uh, it's in Acts, and Paul, you know, appeals to Rome, and he gets on this boat, and they sail out this place, and he, and he gives a, he gives details and names of the cities that they visited, but he said that the, the the figurehead on this ship was these twin brothers, because that was the symbol from the town that he just sailed out of. Now I thought, why, why in the world are you going to put that detail in the book? You know, but Paul was recording what he was doing, you know, so that there is that hist hist historical accuracy. Be cool if they actually find that boat someday. Oh, look at it, there's a boat with twin heads. You know, oh, where do I see that before? Oh, yeah, it's in the book, you know. But so, that, you know, that, that stuff, look, what's the number one book that archaeologists look to when they're looking over there for that stuff? 
number one book they look to? They look at the Bible. Because the Bible has been proven accurate more times than any other one. You know, because you know why? Because it's the guy who sees all of history at a glance and don't never make a mistake. And he get it put in his book. You know, just because we, the problem is never the Bible. The problem is always you and me. We just read it wrong, you know? We skip over the little period or the other little hoopy dingus in there that was you were supposed to stop and hang on that thought for a minute right there. You know, and figure, you know. And it's not only a book of facts, but it's a book of prophecy and fulfillment. I mean, the whole Old Testament, nobody knew what the sacrifice of the Lamb was until it was fulfilled. And they're like, oh, that was Jesus. And now we know that prophecy is fulfilled. <laughs> That was one of, if you read the book of Acts, it's cool. As Paul goes after he gets converted, man, you know, you have a guy that was a Pharisee. I mean, this boy did not have eyes to see. He was so full of self-righteous religion, but then he takes a Pharisee and gets him converted. And I find it interesting. It was the first thing that happened to Paul is he gets made blind. Blinded by the light, you know, knocked him off his horse and he's blind. And then God, Jesus talks to this guy in and I said, Ananias, go pray for this boy. Because uh, he's blind and he's, he's going without food right now because he's seen a vision of somebody coming praying and his eyes will get open. And I, I find it interesting, this guy, Paul thought he could see. Mm-hmm. And Jesus had to come along and smack him blind like, boy, look here, let me show you something. You ain't seeing nothing. Mm-hmm. But in a little bit, I'm going to show you stuff that you can't use going to blow your mind. Strike him blind so he can see the state he's in. Yeah, see, see the state that you're right. Well said, dude. He had to strike him blind so that he could see he was lost. See, and then God comes and Ananias prays and the scales fell off his eyes. And I think that a lot of times folk are reading the Bible and they read it and they got scales on their eyes and they don't know it. You know, and, and that's why you don't understand it. I was talking to my daughter. She's taking, you know, because she's going to be a doctor. She's studying psychology. And a psychologist says, well, you know, we, we don't want to go beyond, we don't want to have arguments that, that rule out logic. You know, you got to be logical. You got to be scientific. You know, and, and then she started talking about that, you know, and I said, well, you know, girl, here's the problem. They're coming, trying to come out with this answer for how it all is, but they left part of the equation out. Mm-hmm. You see, there's, there's that statement, you can reason away faith. And you can think that faith is not logical or faith is un. Uh, unintelligent, but it is intelligent and it is logical. It just doesn't function from human logic. And therefore, a psychologist is somebody who tries to do the math, do the calculation and take God out of that calculation is going to come up with the wrong answer. Einstein got the equation wrong several times before he finally figured out, oh, you got to put a two over the C. Then all of a sudden we get EMC2, you know. You know, I wake up some mornings, I think I'm look like Einstein. I got that genius hair sticking up. Like, you know? <laughs> and the older I get, the thinner it gets. The pillow has more effect on it. You know? Well, if you if you want a purely logical being, it's a computer. You put the the logic in, and it acts on that logic, and it can only it can only cogitate logically. Mm. But we were never purely logical beings and there's a reason for that and we can we can despise the other part but we can never come to the point where we we are able to glorify logic because we're always going to be second best to a computer you know the machine is better than we are if what we truly value is purely logical action 
so there's another part of us that there's a lot of, of literature, there's a lot of people thinking that this part of us is a weakness, and we should be able to just do away with it, and then everybody can act logically. Not, not comprehending that the only capacity for morality that we have is that emotion, is that compassion. And that if you're acting logically, then people at, at a nation level, people are just small units of this national machine. And if you have to sacrifice a few thousand or tens of thousands of them for a good end, then it's worth it. But living on the ground, there's no way that that's acceptable. But if you're going to, if you're going to embrace pure logic, then that's the solution. But if you're going to accept that people are also emotional beings with spiritual needs, then we find ourselves in the situation where we are right now that we act, you know, all of our laws, all of our government, everything is based around this acceptance of this. But the hypocrisy is that we act like that's not the important part. But if you, if it's not the important part, then we should be doing what China's doing because there's no reason to, to have this nice, happy government and taking care of the other, other people that, and, and looking out for each other if we are just going to act logically. Live long and prosper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're just taking out love. I mean, that's the second greatest commandment is taking love out of the yeah. equation. <clears throat> you, you take God out of the equation. You take the spiritual out of the equation, you're going to come up with the wrong answer. Absolutely. So to live just by human logic, <clears throat> you've automatically started your equation out wrong. Yeah. Because you've taken out the spiritual, you've taken out the emotional, like you said, you know. I love one thing, one of my favorite things I ever heard your dad say. God is always after the heart. And where the heart is, there is always an emotional response. Yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? God's always, that's what you, can, can you see God? You can't see God, can you? This is something me and my daughter are talking about. You know, well, you, they were saying, hey, oh, well, you can't, you know, you can't really prove God exists because no big scientist has ever been able to prove it. Well, I, let me ask you, can you find me a big scientist that can prove he doesn't exist? Mm -hmm. You say, but <clears throat> what, you know, God, God, you can't see God. But what I like there is the God you can't see can see what you can't see because mm -hmm. he sees your heart. You can't, I can't see your heart. I can't see your heart. You can't see mine. I can't see my own heart. But he sees it. The God who I can't see sees my heart. Yeah. And science, which is the study of, of the repercussions of God, it's the study of the echoes of his voice in creation. It's the study of what came about from that creation. But science always breaks down as it encounters the human being. Medicine is one of the hardest parts of science because there's there's so many gray areas all over the place that and and psychology, you know, they, they tried their hardest to make it purely logical and have their rats running around mazes. But at the end of 50 years of that, they realized we don't know anything about. We're really good at sending rats through the maze. But <laughs> Yeah, if, yeah, like you know, if you come from your perspective, if you bring the native perspective in, you know, and he talks about you know in nature, 
And, and you, as you said earlier, you know, you always knew there was a, uh, yeah. a, a father. You always knew there was a creator and you, and, you know, went, sought to encounter the creator every day when you spoke to him. Yeah. So if you live in, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? If you live in kind of like in union with nature, mm-hmm. uh, you can't help but encounter the creator. Because he's in everything. He created everything. So there's a part of him in everything. He spoke it. So you see what I'm saying? So you can't leave him out of the equation. And that one of the beauties of native culture, native people, is they recognize that. They recognize, hey, man, there is a spiritual world. There's a spiritual side to things. And there is a creator. There's a father. And just so many times, like earlier we said it, you just didn't, hadn't encountered the sun yet. And that's really the two on the C and equal E equals MC2. Because once you encounter the sun, now you've got the whole equation. And it's that point right there that when you're like Paul, that you got to be made blind so that you can see the condition that you're in. So then all of a sudden you encounter the sun, the sun says, knock them scales off his eyes. Go on, get somebody to pray for him, you know, because I'm going to open his eyes and I'm going to take him on a path because I got a purpose and a journey that's going to blow his mind. That's what I see for you, my friend. You find that piece that's missing. I see God's got a journey for you coming up not too, in the not too far distant future. You're going to see God begin to open some doors. You, you, you've had some wondering, like, God, I'm, I'm a little bit lost right now. I don't know what direction to go. But I'm telling you, my friend, that God does have that purpose. And I'm telling you by the Holy Spirit, he's about to open those doors. He's about to open those doors. And he's already set your feet on the path. You just don't recognize it yet. But he's coming around. He's coming around just like he did for Joseph. He's coming around just like he did for Isaac. You see what I'm saying? Abe didn't know. Abe just got out there, started wandering, went so far, then his dad died, and he had to go so far again, you know? You ever notice that God says, Abe, get on up from out that land and get away from your kinfolk. Hmm. And Abe leaves Ur of the Chaldeans, of his uh, uh, idol-worshiping, idol-making, you know. The Chaldeans were seers. They were people who saw in the spirit realm, you know. And and, uh, there's a lot more to it than that. But he goes out and he takes his dad with him. His dad dies, right? And Abe goes a little further. But he still takes his his nephew Lot with him. He's got up out the land, but he ain't got away from his kinfolk. And Abe is out there wandering. And God's blessing him. He done got in trouble, you know, lied about his old lady being a sister, got in trouble with them kings, you know. Yeah. You know, like one, one of my, my favorite part of one king, I can't remember which guy, the Bimelech or whatever his name is, you know, Abby. And uh, he has a dream, you know, and, and, and in the dream right off the bat, he hears God say, you a dead man. And the Bible says it's a dream. I would have said, no, that's a nightmare. <laughs> that ain't, when God said you a dead man, this dream ain't starting out good. You know what I'm saying? So, and, and he says, God, hey, I, the man said, I did this out of the integrity of my heart. God said, I know you did, boy. That's why I kept you from sinning. Now go on and give her back and bless him on the way out. So even in the mess of, in his mess, God was still extending his mercy and grace because God was fulfilling his purpose. But Abe goes on out and he's got a lot. They got so many sheep, so many cow that they can't, you know. And so God, for Abe goes, you know, God, I'm lost. I, I, I ain't heard from you in a while, man. I need some direction. I don't know which way to go. I'm out here wandering in a land I ain't never been in before. You, you told me to go out and wander. You know, I'm wandering, but God, I need some direction. God, can you help me? 
If you read that story, then the very next verse reads, and there was strife between Abe's men and Lot's men. Now, if I'm Abe, I'm going back to God, going, God, perhaps, maybe can I, I need to rephrase this. I need, because that was not the answer I was looking for. You see what I'm saying? Let me restate. Maybe they didn't understand, God. Let's see, you know, strife was not with, but it was God who sent the strife. Because God said, all right, you want direction? I'm going to give you direction. And he sends the strife, and Abe finally goes, all right, Lot, look, you pick which way you go, I'm going the other. Lot goes down here to the valley of Sodom and Gomorrah, to the green grass, and Abe goes on over here, and you read the story, man. The moment Abe separates from Lot, it said, now God spoke to him. God said, look, boy, I've been trying, I've been wanting to speak to you all along. But sometimes, I got to get you in that headlock, grab you out of here, cause a little strife to get you going the right way because I'm setting you up for a blessing. You know, and we get, you know, we get a little bit like, well, God, eh, we, couldn't we do that a little bit different? You know, can we can we not get the blessing without the strife? You, know, you said, well, you could have if you'd have left your kid folk like I told you. You know, yeah. 